You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Matt. Jim is not here. Jim is under the weather for this installment of the Pastoral Calling Podcast. But today, we will soldier on without him, and I'm really excited to be joined by uh, my friend and colleague in ministry, who was also once my student, and now just great to, to call him friends and their family, um, great partners in the gospel and brothers in Christ, uh, Nathan English. And today, we're going to be talking about his work as a professional photographer, and I think you'll be really excited to hear how that can tie in and has a lot of direct correlation with the work that we do as pastoral ministers, but also insights into weddings and working with people and how to make the gospel known and really let God's light shine in people's lives in these special seasons and times of their life. So without any further ado, Nathan English. Well, that was that was probably the best introduction I've ever got. Thank you, Matt. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, You're a photographer mm-hmm. by trade and profession. Uh, married your sweetheart. Yes, indeed. Three kids, living the life. <laughs> yes. And um, I have a ton of respect for you doing what you're doing with your craft, mm. with photography. I've seen your work, and I've seen it done in behalf of my friends and my other students at Grace Bible College when you photograph their weddings, and I've um, officiated at weddings where you've been a part of the process there and just was able to have such a, um, such a sweet appreciation for the way you approach your work and your calling. And maybe I'll just give you a minute to talk about that. Like, how do you see photography and what you do fitting into God's plan for your life? And how do you see that maybe even as ministry? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great question. Thank you. I, I think, um, I didn't set out to be a wedding photographer, that's for sure. So when I I first kind of had the opportunity to jump in, which was with mutual friends, Josh and Stephanie Kessler, it was like the first time I had shot a wedding, I very quickly realized that much beyond just the artistic aspect of like shooting a wedding, it's relational. Um, because outside of kind of these huge landmarks or these milestones in our lives of birth and death, like weddings are a huge kind of culminating event in people's lives for the entire family, extended family. And so as a wedding photographer, you're this vendor who even has a more intimate relationship with the bride and groom and their families than anybody else that's working for them on that day. You know, like you have a florist who comes in and brings the flowers and leaves, has a caterer who, you know, comes in and sets the food up and leaves and then has, you know, the DJ or whatever. But for a photographer, these these people want these moments captured that are like the most I don't know memorable and like they want to be able to go back and relive those so they need you there for like the entirety of the day to be with them experiencing those moments with them and so that level of intimacy really opens up the door to a relationship that's far beyond just like a client clientele you know experience and yeah I see it as a huge privilege because um, people don't always prepare completely for the emotions they're going to feel on their wedding day. I mean, they have an expectation that um, they're going to be happy and elated because they're marrying, you know, their sweetheart or whatever. 
but it can draw up a lot of emotions. If there's family members that, family members that have passed away or if there's um, struggles within the family, you know, and so you get to walk that with them and it really forges this um, unique trust and bond. And for me, I just see it as an opportunity to not only step into their lives there, but to continue that relationship. I'm, I'm a bit subversive, I would say. Like, I don't come across and say, like, unless I know my clients are Christians and believers, like, I might not pray for them on their wedding day. But I want to try and make it clear that this is the standpoint that I come from. Like, uh, something that I talk about and I have it on some social media is to say that, you know, I shoot photos for a living, but my life isn't my own. So, like, what I do isn't just for me. It's not for my kingdom. Um, it's something beyond me. It's the way I want to serve and love these clients. And so that opens up hopefully a dialogue. And again, Jan and I, I mean, me being there, I'm a witness to their wedding. And then Jan and I as a couple, we just try to make it clear that we just want to be a resource too. And some couples might feel like that's weird and they never call us or interact with us. Other couples, um, there's a continued relationship that gets built. And so we can live out the love of Christ um, in a tangible way, we feel like. And then when people kind of have the relationship first of us, a trust that's built, then they can hopefully have a desire to understand and know like why I do what I do and why I want to love them beyond just getting a paycheck, you know? So that's awesome. Yeah. You're, and you're connected with a lot of different photographers in the wedding industry. Yeah. Yeah. How do you have a sense that your approach is different than many or how is, I mean, that's a pretty unique take on, how intimately you're going to be involved with these couples and really invest yourselves in them as much as they're willing. But that's a really powerful perspective to come to a couple and say, I'm not just working for you. I'm going to be an advocate for you and Mm -hmm. support you and make this the best possible experience that I can. Yeah. I think, um, people that have been doing it for a while, uh, you, you can't be a wedding photographer and not love it. I mean, you, you'll, you'll burn out quickly, like, because it might pay well to a certain extent if you do a good job with the visuals and people like the pictures they see online or whatever. Um, because people are always getting married. And so there's that opportunity for, okay, like I can make a living at this if I do it well. But, um, if you don't really love the dynamic of like working relationally with people, uh, not only are the clients going to like recognize it because people are, are, even if they're not aware of themselves doing it, think they're super in tune to recognizing if, if someone's heart is in it. Um, and so for the most part, most of the photographers that I know pretty well in the industry, I think recognize that they need to honor their clients in that way relationally. But honestly, when I first started, a lot of the kind of the standards that I set in my business were based upon just being naive. And I think I am unique in that sense. So I don't, I don't, I don't look at the day as you uniquely as, naive. Yeah. Yeah. Uniquely naive. I was uniquely naive. Oh, okay. So I never, I never charged per hour when it came to a wedding. So like, I always thought, okay, if this is a relationship, if I want this client to become a friend or I want them to feel like they're a friend and not feel like, okay, this is just an outpouring of money and I'm just paying this person, you know, to step beyond that. One of the things that really is crucial on a wedding day is, for them not to feel like they're being nickel and dime. So right off the bat, I just said, and I was, again, I was naive. I just said, yeah, I'm there all day. You know, you tell me when to arrive and when to leave. And some people, you know, You're not malicious, 14 hours, exactly. Not maliciously, but I have been at weddings where I showed up at 6am and I didn't leave till midnight. Wow. And I don't know many photographers that would do that. 
especially with hopefully a perspective of saying, okay, this is worth it. Um, and not just for a paycheck, but because you're, you're sending a message that's far stronger than, you know, a very emotional picture that they'll get. That's going to be part of it. Like that's going to be a key to it. But for the couple to really feel like you desire to serve them with everything that you have. So you, you're with them throughout the whole day. And it's really, I, I just find that it's, it breaks down barriers because, you know, a wedding day is, is so interesting. It's the longest, shortest day of your life. You, you wake up early, you're on your feet all day. You're like center of attention. If you're the bride and groom, everybody wants to talk to you emotionally. It's draining, but it's also a joy. You get to the end of the day, you're exhausted. But then the next day you wake up and you're like, that was a blur. I don't remember anything. It was so fast. So, so you need those photos to be able to capture the moments that are going to be a blur. Yeah. And you, you just want to be like, at the end of the day, if the couple realizes like, wait a second, I was getting my hair done at 6am and Nathan was there and now it's midnight and we're having like the sparkler send off and Nathan is here. Like that, that's, I just feel like that sends a powerful message that it's, it's important. I don't know. It's just, it's more important than just, all right, I'm checking out, you know? And, and I was naive in the sense that it's hard work and lots of people don't do it. Like lots of people don't stay that long. And I understand, I don't, I don't count it against any other photographer, but I think that's a unique approach that I did early on. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to keep on with this. Um, and I think it's been something that, that friends of my couples have said like, that was, that was really great because they never really felt like they were being, you know, pressured on time that they felt like, Oh, our photographer is going to leave. And a lot of stuff hasn't happened. Okay. We need to pay them per hour now. And it's going to be really expensive, but emotionally, you know, we want those pictures. So, okay, we're going to, you know, and at the end of the night for the client or for the couple to feel like, what their mind is thinking about is like, Oh, we have to pay them even more rather than, wow, they stayed all day. That's incredible. Like that's, that's the message you want to send. seems it's really important to you personally to have that kind of relationship and to be recognized for being that committed to people. Mm -hmm. It also makes me wonder if that level of personal commitment that you give to people is how you get the pictures that you do. Mm. Because I personally, I notice the difference in your work. When I look at your work compared to other wedding photographers, mm. I see the quality of it. And maybe it's cause I know you and I think, well, that's my friend who took the <laughs> pictures, but you've even said like, it takes a while for people to feel like they're comfortable. Yeah. Even with the photographer in the yeah. room. And if they know you personally, then they're a little bit able, a little bit better able to, to open up and to show those emotions and to be genuinely in that moment. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, unless you're like a full-time model that has huge cameras pointed at your face all the time. I mean, it's an uncomfortable situation. Or I'm a teenage girl constantly taking pictures of myself. But the thing is, even if you're like the selfie queen, it's still, it's different when there's some other person there with you and your now husband or now wife. Like those intimate moments and not like like an inappropriate intimate moment, but just like the, I don't know, you want to convey in the image like the the joy you had for that day. And so you want it to be a real emotion, a real image that's captured. You don't want it to be contrived or too like, you know, staged, but the goal for me definitely is to take, you know, two people who might not feel the most comfortable in front of a camera and get them to be at ease so that they can just be themselves. And that always gives you the most honest and real and beautiful images. And so it's just a dance that you have to play yeah. with couples and, you know, I always tell couples too, like, 
if you had like a best friend who was a professional photographer and you weren't inviting them to the wedding, they would be your best choice because you're right out of the gate going to jump past the awkwardness of like, Hey, I met you yesterday and now you're like here with my husband and I and taking our pictures that are going to be with us for the rest of our life, you know? I think I notice a lot of people making that sacrifice. I've got this friend who's just kind of starting with photography and I'll have him shoot my wedding. Yeah. Even if I'm not sure that their photos are going to be the best in the world, but there's that connection, that relationship and I can trust that. If you can, if you can have that trust, but then have the excellence of a professional photographer, that's like, that's what I would try and create. So right off the bat, yeah, right off the bat, it's long before the wedding when we're meeting and talking about the day, like it's getting together in places that feel comfortable to them. It's, you know, um, meaning at a coffee shop that they love to go to. It's developing a relationship so that, you know, I don't pretend to think that I'm going to be their best friend ever. But, um, when it comes to the day for them to see Nathan and say like, Oh, Nathan, you know, like, I'm so glad you're here. And there's that rapport and there's just the trust, you know, that an artist needs to create, um, his work. Uh, that's what you're is fighting for. So I feel like everything that you've talked about related to photography translates directly to pastoral ministry mm. in terms of being connected with people Uh, being present with them, forging those connections of commitment and love and trust, um, authenticity, being Mm -hmm. present. Um, There maybe are some pastors who are listening to this thinking, why has he got a wedding photographer (laughs) on the podcast? When they might not know what a pastor's heart you have Mm -hmm. and how deeply you see this as a ministry to people um, and um, really the richness of how much you have thought about and meditated on why are you doing what you're doing? How can I do my very best for this, uh, in this for people? So talk about that a little bit in terms of, um, how some of these things, what would you want to say to pastors? What have you learned as a photographer that you would want to say to pastors about connecting with people and showing people, your commitment to them and Mm -hmm. building that trust. Mm. Well, I think what I would say is like, there's a lot of pastors and like ministry leaders that I know and trust and respect and love and have a great deal of admiration for. And like what I would say is, is no, is not pulling away from the work that they do. Like Jan, I spent, um, a year working in ministry abroad, like we've had opportunities to to work alongside pastors and to see um, the heart that really needs to be there to serve people well. But what I have found is that, um, in in a way, you know, you have an opportunity to pastor people wherever you are. That doesn't make me a pastor. Like, does that make sense? I don't want to like pull away from the the specific biblical role of a teacher within like the body of Christ. Anyone can take pictures. Not everyone can be a wedding photographer. Sure, sure. Everyone's doing ministry. Not everyone's a full-time yeah, exactly. pastor in the trenches. So, like, I feel like the ministry that I have is to be um, maybe a stepping stone towards um, someone who's even more equipped. So, like, you build that relationship, you build that trust, and you can, in a sense, pastor people or or love people um, so that they they trust you, they, they look to you and say, what's different about you? And then um, that can you know, then I can kind of share like a journey towards 
like, Hey, well, this is where we go to church and stuff. But, um, I just say that just to say, I feel like what I do is ministry. And we've talked about that. Um, but I think most pastors, if, I mean, they would recognize that people are, we're all just broken. Like even on a wedding day, like such a joyful, um, beautiful day, you know, they see a lot of broken relationships. It's just, it's just broken it's, families. Yeah. It's, it just runs through everything, you know? Um, and so I have clients that live a life that is so far removed from the life that I live. Like for some weddings, I am the most expensive thing that they're going to pay for. And other weddings, I am the cheapest thing. And it's the same price point. And so, um, recognizing the great, the great equalizer. Yeah. You recognize that like, if you pull away all of the facades and you know, that we see on a daily basis and I'm sure, I mean, I know in full-time pastoral ministry, people see it, um, your pastors see it. If you can pull that away, you know, and just develop the trust with people, you start to begin to see that, yeah, it's a level playing field that like, there's a lot of hopeless people out there that don't have Christ. And so to, to hold firmly onto him and to let your life be a reflection of that offers hope, um, in a very real way from, from my work. And it's not always like a, a tangible, this is the conversation we had about Jesus, but it's, it's just exuding like the kingdom of God and that light, um, humbly and saying what a privilege it is to be, um, a Christ follower, a disciple of his in this environment. Um, and, recognizing that I don't need to be intimidated by this person because of X, Y, and Z, like the background that they have or the money that they make, or, you know, like the environment that I'm in right now. Um, it gives you, I think a greater confidence to say like, there's everybody needs like at the end of the day, like everybody needs what Christ offers. I mean, he promises and he says like, I am the way, the truth and the life. Like no one comes to the father, but through me. And especially, (laughs) especially in our world today, with such a great deal of hopelessness, like I just personally, I feel it. And I recognize it time and time again, like people just don't have anything solid to hold on to, to hope in outside of Christ. Um, and so to be that I think is important. So I don't know if that really answers your question. <laughs> Maybe let me try to have you make it more specific. Sure. What have you seen, uh, pastors do or not do in weddings that makes them mm. good ministers, like that makes them exude the kind of light and peace and joy that you're talking about. How can a pastor do the wedding day? Well, of course there's a lot that leads up to that yeah. as a pastor, hopefully, but what have you seen? Like, this is what you should do. This is what you could improve. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I like to think I come up with pretty good questions <laughs> and you didn't, it's not written down anywhere. You just came up with that on the spot. Well done, Matt. Um, um, there's a common understanding that, um, it's not just a job again. Like I've shoot some weddings where literally it's just an efficient and it's their job. They do like a hundred weddings a year and they're, you know, ordained by or they, they have their qualification from the state. So like, that's a whole different thing. But as, um, yeah, a minister of the gospel, it doesn't need to be a lot of words, maybe. I mean, I've, I've heard some messages, you know, um, to the couple and to those that are there that are quite powerful. But I think honesty and transparency in everything you do, um, you're given a role of, of, of leadership in a sense, because you're officiating the wedding. But, um, 
pastors that I don't know, just are real people that can um, use their platform and the opportunity that they have to speak with honesty and sincerity and sincerity, um, I think is really the most powerful because we, you know, as a church, especially can struggle with placing pastors on a very high pedestal. Um, and, and I think that can be hard on the pastors because they, they feel that coming from, you know, the congregation and at a church at at a wedding, I think just beautifully blending the, the opportunity and the role that God has placed you in as someone who's officiating that sacred moment. Um, but then also just being again, a friend, um, being honest and transparent and speaking clearly the word of God and really celebrating. I mean, the joy for me when it's a true Christian wedding, the joy for me is just celebrating what's happening. I mean, this is an, it is the most beautiful gift that God has given us to reflect and show us this, this love between, um, you know, Christ and the church. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a tangible gift that he's given us and I get to see it so often. And so to celebrate that, to articulate that, I think is just a, a, a really powerful thing to not only the couple, but to everyone that's there listening and, and hearing. And you're reflecting God's image of unity and oneness yeah, yeah. and sharing and love and freedom and joy and all those, all the things that are best mm-hmm. in life, like yeah. the very, very best things that are possible to experience in life. That's, that should be the pinnacle of sharing that together yeah. as a group of people. I think pastors who can capture that, like are they're getting close, mm-hmm. but I've also seen pastors who feel like, it's their job to be on stage. It's sure. their job to be the comedian right. or to be the comic relief of right. the wedding. Like, this is all just a little bit too intense. <laughs> Let me tell you the story about the first time I met you. <laughs> right? Nobody needs to know that. You know, oh. and it kind of, it's a distraction. From, yeah. So I always make it my goal, uh, and I've done uh, just a few weddings, like maybe 10. I always make it my goal to try to approach that kind of um, moment of worship in the wedding that you were just describing. I can't improve on everything that you said there. Um, but in the process to disappear, Mm. like to get out of the way as the pastor, I may have to kind of keep things moving and keep this order progressing and deal with any, you know, trips or stumbles that might happen along the way. But to as much as possible, Mm-hmm. take myself out of the equation and let the focus be the bride and groom. You do that as the photo- photographer, yeah. right? You yeah. got to be there and capture those intimate moments, but you yeah. have to disappear in the process. That's beautiful, Matt. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I mean, it's really, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not a pastor. Um, I, I would, think you are, but <laughs> that's a conversation maybe for a different right. topic. I would just, I mean, I would, I would guess, uh, that this probably can be a struggle for pastors. Um, because, you know, if you're a pastor of a church, your name is on things at that church. I mean, for me, literally everything about what I do is my name. Like, yeah, your I, make, I make a living by people knowing who I am and knowing my name. And that, just as I say it right now, that's a, that's a danger. Like, that's we'll, a, we'll link to your site. Yeah, no. In the, in the notes. no, no, no. You shouldn't have even named me. I have this guest. I don't even, I'm not going to say who he is. Um, but, yeah, like that's really refreshing to hear because I need to remind myself of that. Um, and you're right. I think it's really powerful for the pastors as well. Like we need to become less and you're right that, that takes a a beautiful handle on 
knowing when to step in and when not to, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, there's an artistry. Yeah. Artistry. That's great. To being the pastor on the day. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah, it can be a little bit about you. You can kind of get a little, a little, it could be too stodgy and formal. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and I could be a distraction just by being too wooden yep. and, uh, unemotional in my presentation. Yes. Too formulaic. Yeah. Uh, not human the way yeah. you described. So you're right. That's like a, it, it is an artistry. And I think for the photographer as well, like the goal is to disappear for like the greater, you know, group of, of attendees to not ever see you there, to not ever recognize you, never a distraction. But obviously the temptation too, is for you to be present enough so that people leave saying like, wow, he did a really good job, like that photographer, you know? And so it, it's just, I think at the end of the day, I remember uh, a roommate of mine here at, at Grace when I was, we were in a band together and stuff. We always talked about like when you're leading worship and you're in this environment where you're on a stage and people are giving you adulation and people like are worshiping, but also there's, there's a bit of hero worship in there too. You're kind of caught up in this, like, Hey, I'm a part of this. And people, you know, are, are they clapping for God right, or me for you? And so just, it's just a check of the heart too, of like saying, all right, like if people are throwing roses on stage at you, like at the end of the night, like you purposely pick all of them up and you just lay them at the feet of Christ. And so in conversation, in intimate conversation, you're able to articulate that in a way that's trusted and understood well. But sometimes when you can't, um, you know, address it at a, in a public forum, it's just, it's a heart condition too, just recognizing like, I know what I do has a lot to do with my name and my brand and how many people know me and how popular I am and all that stuff. Um, I just want to be a good steward of the role that I have and to use that for the glory of the kingdom of God. Um, but at the end of the day, like daily in the intimacy of, of my closet, when I go before, you know, my savior and we, and I pray like it's, it's laying at his feet, like this very life that I have, let alone any gifting or any talent that I have, like it is not of my own at all. Like I didn't do anything to give myself breath. I didn't give anything. I didn't do anything to give myself the very life that I've been given. And so I think coming back to that is really crucial. Again, tangents. Sorry. (laughs) No, I love, I love your take on like vocation, like Mm -hmm. what you do being a gift from God, because I know there are some people who listen to the podcast who are not necessarily pastors. Don't think of them as pastors. They've got a vocation. They've got a set of skills. They've got some work. They've got some time of their life invested in what they do. Mm -hmm. And to do that takes, um, a lot of work and, and developing your skill, but also a recognition that this doesn't come from me. Yeah. The, the, the skill, the opportunity, um, some of the natural ability that seems to come easily to me, that all of that is a gift, whether it's photography or pastoral ministry or something else, mm-hmm. there's a recognition and a humility that that brings, um, to the work. Mm-hmm. Also, when you talk about the pastor's brand, and mm-hmm. their name being on it, mm-hmm. uh, that can apply to the wedding, but it can also apply to what they do on Sunday morning. It yeah. does apply to what they do on Sunday morning and all their work throughout the week. Jim and I have often talked about uh, the pastoral role being the the three P's, and one of them is the pastor, like the shepherd, the nurturer. Mm-hmm. One is the, the prophet or the teacher, the one who calls the community back to the yeah. Word of God, and then the professional that in our day and age is the one who is the leader of the organization and it's their name and it's their image and Mm. and their reputation that, that the community really gathers around like, who is your pastor Mm -hmm. kind of feel to that. And so I felt like you were speaking to 
the professional dimension of the pastor and uh, his name, his brand being invested in the wedding, but then also in everything else that they do, that can be a huge strength in the wedding, but it can also be a huge distraction if that's what's front and center, as opposed to um, getting out of the way and allowing uh, the glory really to come through Mm -hmm. the glory of the day. And I think that applies to the sermon. It applies to a board meeting Mm -hmm. applies to a small group Bible study, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's encouraging to hear and it's, it's uh, convicting to be reminded of, but we, I mean, I know I need to be reminded of it often. I mean, in the work that I do and also in the opportunities I've had in actual vocational ministry, you know, as a part-time thing or just assisting in church or whatever. Um, I've just been reminded, like, I need to protect myself from myself, like having people around me that, that know me well, that can, I don't know, just, um, be a support, be an encouragement, be, um, accountability when the brand gets too big, <laughs> like, you know, in a sense. Um, and it is a dance, like it's an artistry. Um, you know, I think sometimes I struggle with like this back and forth, like I'm trying to be humble. Okay. Now am I just like, you know, it's just false humility. You know, it's just this weird dance where it's just like, really, you just need to do the work. <laughs> yeah. How do you, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, how you've negotiated becoming a professional, which means charging a certain amount to do weddings, to mm-hmm. be able to feed your family yeah. and, and be in business for yourself. But then also resisting that temptation mm-hmm. because uh, wedding photographers can charge what they want to charge and people will pay. Mm-hmm. This is what I've learned from conversations with you. Mm-hmm. And yet you're so um, aware, hyper aware, I think of the temptation to build your brand, get the reputation, get the glam weddings, mm-hmm. get the big paychecks and um, resisting that and saying, no, I have enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important for, for pastors in small churches too, because as Jim and I have talked about, there's this temptation to be super pastor. There's an impression that everywhere in America, every church should be on its way to becoming a mega church. Hmm. And that's a lot of pressure on pastors, on church boards, on church congregations to feel like, gosh, we should really have like a, a shinier screen, like for people to be able to worship better. And if we don't have a $6,000 projector, this is a conversation that's happening in my church right now. <laughs> if we don't have the new $6,000 projector, then what are people going to think? Yeah. Yeah. So I talked about how when I started, you know, I was naive and, and just said, yeah, I'm there all day. I, I, I book all day. It's kind of an all-inclusive thing. I don't charge for the hour. Um, what I did also when I first started was I started to blog like every wedding. Now I remember, I remember those days. Yeah. And um, blogging in the wedding industry is a big deal. You know, it, social media is a huge driving force in the work that we do. And it's kind of a love hate relationship that I have with it. But, um, and I, again, I understand the approach when I talk to fellow photographers who say, listen, I'm only going to put it out in social media, like this in a sense image, or like if you're trying to attract a certain type of client, you're only going to show what you think that client wants to see. And I understand that. I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't judge it. Maybe I do. I don't know. Um, it's but, like the idealized vision of ourselves that we put on Facebook. Yeah. I'm yeah. only going to put the really good meals, right. the pictures of the really good. Totally. Food and the fear, a legitimate fear is that if you don't, 
that you're going to like cut the legs out from underneath you. Like you, especially in the wedding industry, like if you're going to show a wedding that, that doesn't fit the editorial expectations of like the biggest wedding magazines that you're not going to continue to grow and succeed in the industry. You're not going to be a player in a sense in, in the conversation. Um, you're not going to be recognized for the hard work that you've put in. Um, but one of the things that I've done, I've, I've, I've really purposely stayed the course with it is I blog every single wedding. So that's not all that common, I don't think. Um, and also I blog it as quickly as possible. Um, so that, uh, it is beneficial to me because people from that wedding get to see my work and it's part of the conversation, you know, in social media spheres. But also, like I said, like for some weddings, I'm the most expensive thing that they're paying for and other weddings, I'm the cheapest thing. And so if you look at my blog, you'll have, you'll see a, a wide variety of, let's say details or money spent on flowers or no flowers, money spent on this extravagant dress or this very beautiful, but simple dress, like all these different aspects. And my heart can get tied up in that and Mm -hmm. question like why, but really it goes to, I think this central driving force. And I remember Jim saying this to me too, which was really convicting. And I, I just really appreciate it. It's like, it has to be a love of people. Like the wedding that I'm at right now, I'm a hundred percent here. Like I'm fully invested here. I want to give them the same respect and the same honor that I would give any other wedding, regardless of, of what the extenuating circumstances are, regardless of any, any, any other thing for those people to feel and to understand and to recognize and know that they are treated with the same respect and the same equality and the same love, um, I think is really, really important. And so I think the Bible speaks clearly about it too. Like those that come into your church that you know are going to help keep your budget on track and those that you know don't give at all. Like the seat of honor that we give, you know, to certain people in the church, um, it's really just about like loving every person fully and equally, seeing their worth as the same as anyone else. Like it's that level playing field. It's that really healthy perspective to say each and every person, their worth is the same. And honoring that. Absolutely. You know, and so that's the goal I have with my work, but I also feel like within the church, whether you have a a congregation of, you know, 5,000 or 50, um, it's, it's loving the people before you. And I think, I mean, I go to a church that's fairly large right now and I, I talk with my pastor often and I know he struggles with, with just a desire to like shepherd people because he is a shepherd. When you get so many people, like the fact of the matter is you cannot have relationship with everybody in your church. Like you just, there's just not enough time. And so one, I think one of the blessings, it might, it might not feel like it sometimes because our pride can be woven into it. But one of the blessings of a small church, and we had that when my wife and I lived in England for a year, we were in a small church plant. There is a beauty in this, in the community of, uh, you know, of a church that you can actually know everyone, you know? And I think that's, that's something that larger churches probably don't talk about as much, but you know, that's, that's a heartache for them. And also I think if they're, if they're honoring the role that they have within the body of Christ, they recognize that that can't be it. Like there has to be smaller home churches that, I mean, because with a large church, if you don't have community of people really feeling like they're known and known well and loved well, you're just rotten on the inside. You know, it looks good. You have that expensive projector, but people aren't actually able to, to live life in an intimate, like vulnerable level and, and have that 
open conversation of brokenness and our desperate need for a savior. And all the blessing that comes from being able to share that life together. Mm-hmm. So Nate, one of the things we like to do is, is ask people, what's the greatest joy in what you're doing as your ministry, your work is your ministry. Um, and then what's the biggest grind? Like what makes you say, Oh, I don't have to do this again mm. this week, but you can take it in any order. Yeah. I think the greatest joy for me in as a wedding photographer is is really building a level of trust and and appreciation with not only the couple but the family like on a wedding day um, like it's not always in the moment like in the moment I think people sometimes can can share their appreciation <clears throat> but it's after the wedding when people reach back out to you and express like their heartfelt gratitude for the work that you did. Um, there's a great deal of joy in that, I think, because it's this beautiful blend of, of like trying really hard to put my abilities and my talents and skills to like, uh, to work and to a good end. Um, but then also seeing that it made an impact on people for, for good and that they appreciate it, that those moments, that they're going to look back on are really appreciative. And it's, yeah, I think that would probably be my, my greatest joy is, um, having that relationship with the bride and groom and the family, like the immediate family. Cause that impact extends into their does. lives of mom and dad and brothers and sisters. Yeah. I always, I always say like, I mean the, the bride and groom hired you. Maybe they, sometimes they pay for you. Sometimes they don't, but they, if they didn't love your work, they wouldn't hire you. It's really on a wedding day. You have to win over the parents. <laughs> like, um, Pastors should remember that too. That is the most important thing. Yeah. Is that the moms are happy. Yes. Absolutely. If the moms are happy, then you're going to have a good day. Yep. And so like really honoring and respecting and appreciating the parents of the bride and groom. And it's really powerful for me because I have children now too. And I like, I can see, I feel like I can see in the future, the honor, hopefully Lord willing of walking my daughters down the aisle. Like that's just powerful. So that, that gives me a great deal of empathy for fathers who are giving their daughters away. Um, and also like I have a son too. So I see the role of this husband, you know, like taking on this, this joy of having this wife and I don't know, just all those aspects. So I think that relational aspect is the joy and the biggest grind. Um, so it's kind of like a, it's a twofold thing, but it's, it's, it's like, this is pretty great because not everybody gets to say I've got two biggest grinds. <laughs> Why is he a wedding photographer? Um, I think they just go hand in hand. So one is the toll it takes on my family. So the unsung hero in all of this is my wife. I mean, I am gone to shoot weddings the, because of the, the way I approach weddings, being there all day, the way that I invest myself in like every wedding that I shoot. Um, that that has a direct impact on my family, and uh, I constantly need need to be reminded and need to be aware of that impact and the fact that first and foremost I need to honor my family. The work that I do um, compromises uh, the way that I serve and honor and love my family. Like then I'm I'm doing it wrong. So I think that's part of the grind is just, uh, is just the toll it can take. And, but then also it's a good thing because it, you know, um, it can, uh, 
be a catalyst to, to really just being aware and serving my wife well and my kids well. Um, but hand in hand with that is the grind of the emotional drain of doing it every week. So during wedding season, every Saturday or Friday, Saturday, you basically have to gird your loins. You have to gather yourself up and get to the emotional level that these people are on that you're going to be joining. So they don't care and they shouldn't. It's not, they only have to do it once. You've got to do it every weekend. Yeah, exactly. So they, and it's not anybody's fault. Like it's totally understandable and it's, they shouldn't be expected to do it. But for a bride and groom, like they don't care that I shot however many weddings before their wedding. They don't care. I'm going to shoot weddings the next weekend and the next weekend. Like they're fully invested in their wedding. And if you are not fully invested, like people are aware of it, they can just tell. And so to be able to like emotionally put yourself in that place with them and to like celebrate with them, to be fully invested, to have your heart fully invested there, um, is, it is a joy, but also it's, it's taxing. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's exhausting. And, and then saying, okay, like the next week you're going to do it again because you're doing it because you want to honor them well, but it, it comes at a cost for sure. How do you recover from that? level of emotional investment again Jana <laughs> I just married um, I'm just so fortunate like I would not be able to do what I do so like I think Jana is able to be um, a decompressor like she helps me um, just kind of I don't know gain my strength throughout the week like she bears the burden of just um, my <laughs> insecurities and my exhaustion and she does it with a lot of grace so I think that's how I'm able to to like recuperate in the way that I do. So now the last thing that we'll do is ask you if you have any book recommendations, what are you reading? That's been really powerful for you recently. Yeah. Uh, and it might connect with your craft. It might not, but what would you recommend to our vast listening audience? Vast listening audience to the millions that are listening to this podcast. And there should be millions. Let me just say, um, yeah, I think, so this is a bit off topic, but my wife and I, um, you know, we're in England for a year doing cross-cultural ministry in some sense. And I read a book that was really fascinating. It, I think it's just be a good read just to know another culture. Um, but also it was really helpful for us doing uh, ministry in a culture that was not our own. It's called Watching the English by Kate Fox. And it really, I mean, I think... I think any book probably that talks about like the intricacies and the idiosyncrasies of like another culture or maybe even your own culture, it could be like self-reflective is really eye-opening, especially for the church because we're able to see like, how does the, the common thread of the gospel unite all of us, even though like there are so many things that you're going to miss if you don't keep yourself aware. So yeah, if you're looking for an interesting read and you want to know more about the UK and all the crazy stuff that the English are, we love them. Um, Watching the English by Kate Fox. And then also, uh, from our time there, I got to know a pastor um, whose name is Julian Hardiman, and he wrote a book called Idols, which has been really encouraging to me lately. Um, it is exactly as you would expect. It's just a book about how, in our day and age, it's just so easy to replace uh, God with idols of any sort. Um, and that sounds like a very like simple, like understandable, yeah, I mean, we know that. But um, it's also just a hard truth to look at when we say, like, if anything takes the place of God, like, it's an idol. And so I think that's just been really encouraging for me. It's convicting um, because I struggle with that often. My work is so often fighting to be that 
chief place. It did, you know, it, uh, has a great influence on how I spend my time, what I do and stuff. So I think it's just, it's encouraging. It was encouraging to read that book and, and just be reminded, like, I need to fight for, for God's proper place in my life, um, harder than anything else. That is a good reminder. And I wonder if there might be pastors listening who, who could have exchanged their work in pastoral ministry, serving God for God and putting God first in their goals and in the directions and how they use their time. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Reminder. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Nate. I just want to say, yeah, I'm just, I was honored to, to be asked to come and just talk with you guys. Cause I've been a fan, uh, even before you had, uh, any reviews on iTunes. <laughs> You're a pre iTunes. Pre iTunes. And yeah, I just, I really admire, um, Matt, you and Jim and your roles in the local church community. And, um, the testimony that your lives speak. Um, and so, yeah, it's just an honor to just be a part of the conversation. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation. <laughs>